Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, Serie A fan. It's crunch time for the Italians in Europe. As Juve crash out, Milan make their mark in Manchester, and Atlanta make their way to Madrid via Spezia. We chat about all that, plus looking ahead to the Milan-Napoli game, and Boaz joins a cult on this episode of Scudetto. Hello and welcome to Scudetto, your weekly roundup of top flight Italian football. And what a week it's been in top flight Italian football. Juventus crashing out of the Champions League. Milan getting their away goal this evening. And uh, plenty more to talk about in the actual league. Uh, but first, let's catch up with the squad. Boaz, with the beer saga now concluded, uh, what are you going to talk about in this section of the podcast? Yeah, I'm kind of lost for words. Uh, actually, I this week I almost joined the cult, a kind of pyramid scheme slash cult. It was uh, good times. I <laughs> I went along with it until they they asked for money. I just I wanted to see how uh, how low these people could go. Had I been a little bit younger or a little bit naiver, I, I might have signed up because they're really good at convincing people. And uh, at the end of this long crazy seminar, there were maybe they're actors, I don't know, but there were every, a lot of people were like, "Wug, sign me up now, sign me up immediately." Where <laughs> and I and I was chuckling in the corner and like. They, they were like, can you switch your camera on? Can you switch your camera on? And I said, listen, this is not for me. And they've been harassing me with text messages ever since. But it was good experience. Sounds like a good use of your time. It reminds me actually of a, a really good podcast that I listened to. Uh, it was actually a little while ago. But it's about Trump University. Completely off topic for this podcast. But just speaking of pyramid schemes, it's pretty hilarious. It's called Behind the Bastards. And there's a couple of episodes on Trump University, which are just, just hilarious. Anyway, complete tangent there. Ah, yeah, let's do the beer. So tell me about the beer, Buzz. I'm drinking a... I've, I found an Irish beer. It's O'Hara's and it's a 51st State IPA. Should be good. Sounds lovely. Um, and Kenny, uh, here you don't have a story for us this week, but um, you've got a beer at least. I don't I don't have a story at all, no. Uh, it's been It's been a moderately good week, uh, aside from the events of, of Monday night. Uh, which left me seething. Uh, but let's let's get to that in a bit. Yes, I have got a beer. I've got a Black Isle Brewing Company Goldfinch Organic Gluten-Free Session IPA. So Boaz was talking a couple of months back about, about thesauruses. Uh, it seems that they've got quite a few words into the title of that one. That's not I, even I've a thesaurus. Already... They just pick <laughs> random ingredients. How can, how can we make this the most complex beer ever? <laughs> Um, it's quite nice. It's not like it's not got a huge amount of character, but it's quite refreshing. So I'm pretty pleased with it, and I will drink it happily. Its its character consists of it going around parties. and being, I'm actually gluten free, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. How about you, Oscar? Yeah, I'm afraid I don't. I don't really have a story. I did go to an office this week, which is probably quite a novel experience for most people that have been in lockdown for a long time. 
was pretty a pretty empty office, but I just went there to pick up a laptop really and uh, look around my new place of work. Or well, I'm not going to be working there for a while, but my new office. In terms of the beer, I've got something which is perhaps kind of sacrilege for this podcast. I've got a lager. But I sent Kira to the shop. Well, Kira was going to the shop as if I could send Kira to a shop. But she was uh, she was going to the shop and she asked what sort of beer I want. I was like, just get me a standard lager. This was not for the podcast. She came back with a very nice looking, it's called Bohemia Regent. And it's a Czech beer. It's a, a premium pale lager. It's very nice. I'm not very snobbish about lagers. I'm not no? snobbish about lagers. I quite like lag- lagers. Okay. The last time you had a lager, you the snob it as a lager. It's fine if it's cold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They definitely, they definitely have their place. Yeah. Well, this one's uh, cold, and yeah, it's it's fine. In fact, it's better than fine. It's very nice. Yeah, we've spoken about beer for probably longer than we normally do. So let's move on to the football, and let's start with tonight's action because Milan Reserves got the job done against Manchester United, nicking a a last minute equaliser to secure the away goal, one one following on from a, a good performance where they beat Verona 2-0 at the weekend. Uh, but let's start with the United game. It's sort of the most immediate. Uh, what do we think, Kenny? Do they deserve more from this game? Oh, I'm, I'm surprised you, you come to me first on this one. Yeah, well, I normally go to the Bayers first on yeah. Milan. I didn't want him taking all the good points, so I know you've watched it as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, normally Boaz is stumping ground. Uh, I think, uh, I, I said to you in, the, in our pre-production uh, before this, lucky, lucky, lucky lucky man united milan might have been the team that got the the last minute goal but man united have absolutely got away with one here milan were by far the better team apart from, aside from maybe a spell uh, before the interval and uh, just after the break when when united got the that goal which was a a lovely goal a lovely finish from uh, ahmad diallo but um but yeah milan absolutely dominated um they had what could very possibly have been a very legitimate and wonderfully taken goal from Frank Kessie, chalked off. Uh, McTominay, for me, should have absolutely had a, a stonewall second yellow sending off. Milan could have had a penalty in this. Milan had goals disallowed for offside. It was all Milan. Everything was Milan. It was Milan, Milan, Milan. And uh, the the goal uh, from Kiar off the, the corner at the end was the least that, that, that they deserved. So I was really, really impressed with them. And especially, as you mentioned there, uh, given how many first-team players... Uh, I think Boa said they had two available strikers uh, for, for this game. So they had Mandzukic out, they had Ibra out, they had Revic out. So what a performance to come to, to Manchester and uh, be unlucky to go away with a 1-1 draw and an away goal. Yeah, and um, plenty more to speak about in the game. Uh, Baz, do you go along with that? Do you feel pretty hard done by after tonight's performance? Well, first of all, um, Kenny mentioned that Milan had two strikers, but it's worth noting that one of them was Emil Robach, who is a 17-year-old Swedish striker Milan signed as a prospect. So it's not like he was going to come on and make a difference. Had we been recording on Monday like we used to do, I would have told you guys that I could really do without this midweek game and that, in my view at least, a, a match against Manchester United at this phase of the season is a bit too much for this squad and that maybe focusing on getting that Champions League qualification and who knows, maybe pushing Inter all the way should be Milan's uh, premier focus. But as you said, the performance from the reserves was 
fantastic and unexpected. And this follows a very good performance on the weekend against Verona, which we'll get to in a minute. But overall, it, it feels like Milan, with the exception of the little bump a couple of games ago, have come back to uh, being that kind of fast-moving, direct team with uh, a few players who are maybe not standout stars, but they're, they're performing above their ability and that, that shows on the pitch. Yeah, um, and speaking of the Verona game, uh, pretty pretty solid performance away at Verona, 2-0 win. Um, anyone specifically that you wanted to pick out from that game that performed above expectations? So as part of my um, self-appointed note-keeping for the podcast role, I, I've been going back and listening to some of our past episodes, and we we mentioned a few, when Milan drew with Verona at uh, San Siro, we said that it was a good result and that Verona were a team to be feared. And of course, Verona also got a draw with Juventus just a, a couple of rounds ago. But uh, in this case, uh, Pioli's tactics were spot on and they didn't really let Verona get started at all. They were playing very direct, kind of getting the ball forward very quickly. And uh, perhaps the most interesting thing or the, the biggest highlight for this game was the fact that the two goals were scored by players who for a start hadn't scored this season yet. So that brings it up to a total of 15 different players who have scored in Serie A for Milan. Um, only Atalanta have more players who have scored. And uh, the goals were phenomenal. Um, Krunic won himself a, a free kick on the edge of the box. And uh, I, I kind of uh, breathed a sigh of relief that it wasn't a penalty so that the haters wouldn't be on Milan's back again. But it didn't matter because he took a, a fantastic free kick and curled it into the top corner and uh, really unexpected even for people who have watched him play and again as part of my note keeping I've been going back for episodes and at the very start of the season he came on and I said that it was he's a liability but uh, in this game he made a difference and then uh, Dalot who is on loan from Man United and also played today who has been kind of much maligned in the throughout the season and fans have felt that of all the transfers possibly he's the one who's been less successful but he he somehow he got himself into the area he, he did one of these no look shots and he banged it into the top uh, corner so again these both goals were well worth checking out but i think the most impressive thing was um how milan dominated possession how they they chose their moves and uh one man who also today but on in general this season frank kessi is just is an incredible midfielder. He's uh, for me. You, he has to be in with a shout for a midfielder of the year. Yeah, I, w- I would have said actually if we if we hadn't mentioned him, we have to give him uh, a big shout out for the performance tonight because he was man of the match. Uh, the commentators here in in uh, the UK were were saying, uh, "Oh, he's been Milan's best player." I mean, come on, like let's not mess about here he was head and shoulders the best player on the field for either side tonight a fantastic footballer and in a sense i was kind of worried that he would bring out an incredible performance tonight because suddenly the whole of europe is like well, who the hell is this guy yeah he was kind of uh, our little secret and um this year especially last year he was maybe slightly less impressive but this year he's taken on the mantle of a, of a leader on the pitch off the pitch and he's just the things he does, if any other player did that in front of the defense, I'd, I'd be screaming at him. But because it's uh, Frank Essie, you're just like, yeah, yeah, just hold on to the ball with four players around you trying to tackle you, no problem. Yeah, he reminds me a lot of Moussa Dembele in his glory days at Tottenham Hotspur. Italian media have been comparing What's him to reference? Frank Reichard, who's a former Milan great, and I kind of see it. So the question is, Buzz, will 
rejuvenated Zlatan after his time away at the San Remo Festival comeback and lead Milan to victory this Sunday against Napoli? And in general, will it be the start of a fight back for the title? So Zlatan was actually in the stands for the Verona game and he looked pretty worse for wear. But um, again, his his commitment for to travel five hours for the two games midweek despite being injured was notable. I mean, I guess we could have all done without the circus of Sanremo this week for him at least. But uh, I think it worked out all right in the end with uh, with the results. It will, But it will be good to have him back on the pitch. More so, it will be good to have some of the other players who are missing, who I think Milan have the third most injuries in Serie A this season. And the likes of Benacer and uh, Kalinoglu are really important uh, chess pieces in uh, Pioli's tactical game. And right now, they're, they're, they haven't played for a while. And as soon as they'll be back, I think Milan will start kicking on again. Yeah, and that's probably the pick of the weekend games, uh, Milan-Napoli on Sunday night, so... Looking yeah, forward to that one. It's it's an interesting one because um Milan have not beaten Napoli at home since 2014 and Napoli haven't won away since January. So I mean unless they draw which doesn't really help either team. It's one of those records is going to break. Yeah, and it's an important game in the race for the top 4, um top 5 even and speaking of which we need to talk about Juve who had a mixed week, I think it'd be fair to say. Beating Lazio 3-1 on the Saturday, Morata scoring a brace, um, and then the midweek disappointment in the Champions League. They actually won 3-2 on the night, obviously, but went out on the way goals to Porto 4-4 and aggregate buzz. Does this mean the Ronaldo experiment's a failure? I mean, this is the third season in a row that Juventus have been out of the Champions League before the semi-finals, and uh, that was the reason that he was brought to the club, right, to help them in the competition. Um, in one of our earlier episodes, we kind of joked that it's not your money when play- when fans complain about the, the fees spent on certain players. Likewise, it's not your money when the club is making uh, money on shirt sales. I don't really care if my club has sold a hundred or a few million shirts of a player if we're not winning. And if you look at uh, Juve's record before Ronaldo joined and their record after, there is a notable... Um, dip for a start they they've managed they've never managed to get 91 points which they did uh under allegri the three years prior and uh, of course they didn't win the coppa italia with him and that's without even mentioning that they've been knocked out of the champions league at the same spot three years in a row against uh clubs that at least on paper they should have beaten maybe ajax are the exception to this uh, list because you guys will forgive me as spurs fans but Ajax probably were deserving finalists that year in the Champions League. But um, <laughs> don't you, take away the best night of my life from me, please. But I, I just think that game could be the we're going. It's a bit tangential, but the Ajax Tottenham game could be played like a hundred times, and I'm not sure that the same thing would happen all a hundred times. But anyways, other than that, I mean, losing to Lyon and Porto is not what you expect. And um, Ronaldo, it's a shame to say it, but. At his age, the money he's making, he's starting to be a bit of a liability. And perhaps it's not even his fault because Juventus signed him, but they didn't really give him the rest of the personnel that could help him in this quest for the Champions League that his, uh, Juventus have been on for 25 years now. If you look at even the two finals that the Juventus reached in the Champions League, the, the midfield has changed completely since then. There's there's really no, no player and... You, if you compare the midfield today to the midfields that 
Allegri could field and that Conte was fielding at the beginning of this crazy um, cycle, there is no comparison, as I said. Yeah, and I think it's a different thing to say the Ronaldo experiment has failed than Ronaldo's been a failure at Juventus because clearly he hasn't, right? I think he's top scorer in the league or there or thereabouts. He was yeah. joint top scorer last I checked. I think that's fair to um, say. Yeah, uh, but Juve have been disappointing this season. Um, and what do you think is now an acceptable finish for Pirlo? Um, well, I mean, a lot of people, including I think ourselves, made uh, a lot of the fact that Inter went out of uh, Europe. It's going to, well, we'll get to Inter in a bit. It's going to take a lot for Inter to let this slip. But Juventus don't have any other commitments aside from the Coppa Italia now. So who knows if they could do a late push uh, for, for the title. Let's not write them off. Um, but certainly they are hugely inconsistent and uh, the way things are going at the moment, uh, they're, they're not going to be in any danger of uh, dislodging Inter. I think the thing is, <laughs> Juve made a lot of the fact that this was a new cycle when Pirlo came in, right? And you have to factor that into the equation. So if you're saying this is an entirely new cycle, and we're going to bring in lots of young players. Historically, when has the team gone from one cycle to another and continued to absolutely dominate? It had, I'm sure it has happened in the past, but it's very rare. And we're seeing the same with Barcelona at the moment, for example, in Spain. So I think, to be honest, if, you're, if you don't enter into this season thinking Juve are favourites, then you have to say that Champions League it, uh, qualification is perfectly fine. Anything below that, obviously, would be a catastrophic failure for, for Juventus. But, uh, yeah, if they finish second or third, I don't think that's a horrific season in, given in that context of between cycles. Um, I do have a few things to say on the, the Porto game, actually. And the first is, what a game of football. Uh, can we just acknowledge what an incredible game of football that was? Can we also acknowledge what an achievement it is for Porto to make it through that tie playing an hour um, with a man less? But on on the other hand of the story, can we also acknowledge the fact that Juve had a lot of players coming back from injury who didn't look um, like they had 90 minutes in their legs uh, after the weekend, let alone 120 can we also acknowledge the fact that Juve were incredibly unlucky? I mean, this game had everything. It had crossbars, it had disallowed goals, it had penalties, arguably, for both sides that should have been awarded. Uh, it had the red card that was spoken about. It was a game that had absolutely everything. And if Juventus had been awarded that penalty that I firmly believe they should have been awarded in the first leg, we might be talking about a, a different story. Uh, that's football. These things happen, to use a Pochettino phrase. Uh, that's that's football. And sometimes it's just the luck of the night. Um, I think Juve really, if we're honest, if we look at the chances that they created and how close they came to scoring and how many occasions were very unlucky to go out. But they should be beating Porto. That, I guess, would be my final point that, yeah, with the resources they have. And you praised uh, Porto. It's, it's really worth praising Sergio Conceição, who, poor guy, no one wanted to ask him any questions in the post-match presser. Not sure what was going on there, but I guess the Italian media was waiting for Pirlo and I don't know, I think he's on strike with the Portuguese media. So basically <laughs> he just sat around for 50 seconds and then shuffled off uncomfortably. But uh, he he's another one of these guys who played for Lazio and Inter, just like Simeone and uh, 
Dejan Stankovic, who manages uh, Red Star Belgrade, who Milan played a few weeks ago. But anyways, all of them played for both Lazio and Inter and now managers doing pretty well. So something about playing for both those clubs and being a combative midfielder makes you a good manager. Yeah, and um, Juventus go away this weekend to Cagliari uh, Sunday evening, uh, while Lazio have Crotone at home. Inform Cagliari. Yeah, we will get to them. Oh, well, yeah, we'll get. To, we'll speak about them briefly later on. Uh, first, we need to speak about Monday night. I'm afraid, Kenny. Aye. Unfortunately, Atalanta couldn't do their part for us in uh, building the narrative around the title race that we wanted. I know. Losing one 0 to Inter Milan, as everyone knows. Um, do you think Inter did enough to deserve the result here? That's that's an interesting. That's an interesting way to to phrase it. Yes, they 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 obviously did do enough. They they definitely rode their rod their luck i think boaz said on the the twitter feed that we had going that champions do that sometimes they they definitely rode their luck but they they defended very very well it wasn't pretty to watch it was kind of fun for the first 10 15 minutes or so actually because you really had i think what a lot of us were anticipating which was this high pressing atalanta side winning the ball back high up the field and when Inter could break that press, the, um, the their devastating counterattacks, we had that for all of about 10 or 15 minutes. And then, to be honest, praise has to be given to Atalanta's backline because we saw nothing of Lukaku and Lautaro Martinez for that entire game. Um, and I think Jim City, uh, Toloi and uh, Romero, of course, how could I forget uh, Romero? were absolutely fantastic throughout that game. I thought Atalanta were absolutely fantastic. It was, uh, I just mentioned how Juve were unlucky. Sometimes it's just not your night. Um, For Atalanta, it just wasn't their night on this occasion. Uh, I do think if, if you're a neutral watching that game, you feel like Atalanta were by far the better team, but it was uh, uh, to compare Conte to, to Mourinho again. It was, it was like watching Mourinho's Inter really. They, somehow you come out of the game and you think, how did they win that? But they had one shot on target uh, and they scored one goal and that's all they needed. Um, Atalanta, on the other hand, had a couple of balls cleared off off the line uh, and a couple of very, very decent chances aside from that, but they couldn't convert them. And that was that was the difference. So yes, Inter, Inter had one chance and they took it. Uh, and on that basis, they deserved to win. But uh, as an Atalanta fan, that's a really, really sore one to take because that game was there for the taking. Yeah, I think we were all a, all a bit disappointed about that one. Um, I think that um, if uh, the Juventus or the Milan management are assuming that uh, Inter are going to run away with the championship, the, the score is maybe in the long run is actually beneficial to them because it puts uh, Atalanta a few points behind. But of course... The dream would have been for Atlanta to win and reopen the, t- the title race. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think it's um, it's completely done now? I mean, Inter still got to play Napoli, Roma, and Juve. There's still a chance they could come unstuck, isn't there, Baz? Everything is possible, but um, I fear to say that the way Antonio Conte has this team playing at the moment and the way he's uh, developed the siege mentality... It looks like they're having a great time off the field as well. You see their social media activity and uh, everyone's loving each other. That that comes with winning. You have, you're having a good time and uh, winning breeds more winning. 
And as yeah. every time this season that we've said, wow, this this might be the place where Conte's Inter will stumble, they, they've come through. It's happened against Lazio, it happened against Atalanta just now, it happened in the derby. So unless they surprise us, I think this league is theirs to lose. Yeah, and what yeah. we have to take into account as well is that Inter have the advantage of the direct encounters uh, over Milan as well. So what is a six-point lead at the moment is really like a six-and-a-half-point lead. And I would also highlight Roma's record against other teams <laughs> at the top of the table as being less yeah. than uh, less than ideal. I think it's highly unlikely. Nothing obviously is impossible, but I think it's highly unlikely that Inter are going to let this slip now. Not only do uh, they need to lose a couple of games, but if it is only sort of two games and a draw that they drop, which is very possible on their current form, uh, Milan would have to win every single game. And now, I think Milan have were great earlier on this season. As Boaz mentioned, they've come into a bit of form in the last couple of games as well. But I think it's unlikely that Milan are going to win every single game. So all of a sudden we're talking about Inter slipping up three or four times, really. I think it's highly unlikely. Uh, I I dearly want there to be uh, a title race. I think this is us getting into the end game. I think Inter are just pulling away. Yeah, uh, I fear you you may be correct. Some positive news for the the teams occupying the top four spots at the moment is that in the past five seasons of the 18 spots available for the Champions League, 15 clubs that were occupying those spots at this point of the season qualified for the Champions League. So, I mean, that that bodes well for the the at least for Inter, Milan and Juve. And then the fourth spot can be that the, one of those two clubs that switches up and down. Yeah. I think there's three spots in there. There's three teams fighting for that last spot. But it doesn't bode well for Atalanta, the, the uh, record that you've just uh, told us. Yeah. And speaking of Atalanta, Kenny, let's uh, just look ahead at their schedule for the next week. Uh, Friday night game against Spezia, which I'm sure we'd expect them to bounce back for. Um, and then obviously get a few days rest ahead of the game against Madrid, which could be key. Um, we obviously discuss their performance in the first leg where we thought they were really quite hard done by and you, you'd ex- expect them to put in a good performance yeah well I think I guess this is as good a time as any to highlight the fact that Atalanta are the only Italian team left that are still fighting on three fronts uh, obviously they've got the Coppa Italia coming up they're still in the race for the Champions League spot and they have this game against uh, Real Madrid uh, to, to come. So that in itself, when you consider how small a club Atalanta are and anyone who has uh, followed Italian football for a long time um, will know that Atalanta are not, uh, they're not a regular, even European, uh, they're not even a, a guaranteed Serie A side. So that's an incredible uh, achievement. Whether they can beat Real Madrid, I haven't changed my mind since uh, last week or the week before, whenever it was we spoke about it. Um, I think they can do it. I think they were the better side in the first leg. And Spezia are a potential potential banana skin, as we've seen um, their results against other big sides. Um, So I I wouldn't be confident to call either of those games either way. I think Atalanta will probably beat Spezia and maybe we're in with a a shout um, against Real. Yeah, I um, contacted our uh, Madrid correspondent, Hector, uh, obviously, we haven't done keeping up with the Italians for a while, but obviously, as Atalanta are going away, just thought it'd be be good to highlight for the tourists that won't be visiting 
that there's a, a monument called the Fuente del Angel Caida, which means the Fountain of the Falling Angel. It's the only satanic monument that's exactly 666 meters above sea level. Wow. So, uh, there's a good fact for you. Um, he also said Benzema's been their standout player, um, and he was obviously not fit last time. I think he probably will be playing this week. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. We all know how dangerous Benzema can be, but watch out for him. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I thought yeah. I played the game in, uh, in 10 men in the first leg. So. <laughs> Hopefully that 11th man equals more than the upgrade of uh, having Benzema fit. They played San Remo. Who played San Remo? Atalanta played San Remo when he got sent off. Oh, I see. Very good. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Slow burner. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Inter, of course, faced Torino on Sunday. Um, Speaking of Torino, um, they had a, a rather interesting game in the relegation battle. Six-goal thriller um, against Crotona that they lost 4-2. Also got a man sent off in that game. And uh, Davide Nicole is now the third Torino coach in the modern era to remain unbeaten for his first five games and then losing the sixth. Uh, the other two are Walter Mazzari and Franco Scoglio. I am reliably informed. Torino now 18th with 20 points, but two games in hand over Cagliari, who drew two all with Sampdoria at the weekend in their bus. Yeah, while uh, the Torino revival came to a sudden end, the Cagliari dream is still on. And uh, this was a really entertaining game between Sampdoria and Cagliari with a lot of uh, really great goals, if not some suspect goalkeeping. But uh, Manolo Gabbiadini, uh, formerly of Southampton, scored a nice goal from outside the area. And uh, Joao Pedro, uh, he, he scored as well, which makes him the... Highest scoring Brazilian in Europe right now, which will, if he stays in that position, it would be the third year running that he does that. So I'm actually going to give him an honorable for that. But uh, in the dying minutes, uh, Nyangolan got a great goal from just outside the area. So as I said, fireworks all around. Probably doesn't help either Sandoya or Cagliari, but uh, good game. <laughs> Indeed. Um, and that relegation race is starting to look quite interesting. It looks like it's going to be either Torino or Cagliari to take third spot. I don't think we'd get... Well, I think we would get very good odds on Crotone to stay up, but um, nice for them to get a win. In the other games that we haven't spoken about yet, uh, we should mention Insignia's double and our boy Ossiemen helping Napoli to beat Bologna 3-1. Roma also beat Genoa 1-0, so keeping the pressure on for the race for that top four, top five that we've been talking about. I was going to ask you guys, how, how much of a difference do you think it's going to make that some of the teams are still in Euro- European competitions while others have crashed out? Um, what, do you, what do you think, Buzz? Is it, is it going to be a key factor? I think we're coming to the tail end of the season. So a lot of the, I mean, assuming that Milan, Roma and uh, fingers crossed Atalanta all qualify, I think at this stage of the season, it, you're running on adrenaline and kind of you need a little bit of luck to get through games and moment of magic or a moment of brilliance can can make all the difference so i i don't think at such a late stage it really will affect things too much also because uh it feels like uh inter are running away with it maybe this will help juventus a little bit and maybe we'll see a resurgence as i said last week i predict juventus will finish second so this doesn't bode well for milan but uh we'll see juventus haven't managed to win three games in a row more than three games in a row this season so uh they need a swift change to put the pressure on. 
Uh, worth pointing out that at the time of recording, Roma are 3-0 up against uh, Shakhtar Donetsk. Fonseca said that he hates playing against his uh, former clubs. But that's sure you do, but you keep beating them. So, I mean, how much is it? <laughs> you know, it's not that bad, is it? Bittersweet. Yeah, that is worth pointing out. Um, the other games this weekend that we haven't mentioned, Sassuolo play Verona, Benevento, Fiorentina, and Genoa take on Udinese. Uh, we need to do good week, bad week. What do we think about giving good week to Crotone? I, I think it might be our only chance to give it to them. I'm not saying we should, <laughs> but if, if we want to, it should probably be this week. They won 4-2. <laughs> Any other nominations? Well, you'd have to put Inter in there as a potential nomination, but they've won it we recently. We gave it to them last week, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, they've won it recently. So I'm inclined to side with you. If I'm slightly blindsided, I, I would say that Milan had a good week with the draw at Old Trafford and the win at, at what yeah. is normally a hard pitch in uh, Verona. Yeah. Who yeah. are we giving it to? So we, we could give it to Milan B team, I suppose. Yeah, it would be. A, <laughs> we Milan have never given it before. to them. It has um, been a good week for Milan. I wouldn't have a, I wouldn't have a problem with that. But I, uh... since we have a Crotone referencing honorable mention later on, we, I guess we, we've out Crotoned ourselves in this episode. So let's give it to Milan. <laughs> okay, right. you win, Blas. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. The home uh, of the Crotone. I have to say, (laughs) for the record, I don't have a problem with it going to Milan. It's been a good week. They were absolutely excellent against Man United. I only said that the extended highlights of the Verona game, but it looked absolutely excellent in that one too. So, yes. Fair enough. All right. Milan reserves. Um, Bad week. We've got nominations. I mean, obviously, Torino, although perhaps a bit harsh, given the extenuating circumstances that Bayer's outlined. Atalanta haven't had the best of weeks. I think it's a bit a bit harsh given the performance <laughs> that of Atalanta in there. I'm not sure how they crept Just results in wise. Just outplayed the team that are going to be crowned champions in yeah, all probability. Yeah, it will give you a bad yeah. week for being unlucky. All right, fine. We've given Baz one, so we'll give you one by not having <laughs> Um, Juventus, obviously, they had that good result against Lazio, so it's hard to give it to them just for going out of the Champions League. Although they were awful in the first half of that game against Lazio. Absolutely abysmal. They should have been out yeah. of sight by halftime. I mean, just based on the results, obviously, Sassuolo has to be a candidate. And they've been pretty bad for a while. And we've been kind of... I think they haven't won a game since January the 6th. They've won one um, game against Crotone. They've won one game. That doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> I think they've been awful since I recommended people start watching them. So um, yeah, maybe I should stay quiet next time. I think the Zerbi's had so much praise this this season, justifiably, and last season. But I think we need to be the ones that tilt the the scales and offer a bit of balance. So I say we plump for Sassuolo. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, sorry, Sassuolo, you've had a bad week. Uh, that's pretty much all we've got time for in the main body of the episode. Just the honourable and dishonourable mentions. Kenny, you want to kick us off with one for Sportiello? Yeah, absolutely. So this is uh, from the the previously discussed at length game uh, between uh, Inter and Atalanta uh, and it's for an incredible headed save to to deny what would have been an absolutely phenomenal own goal by by Romero who I don't know what he was thinking really uh, tried to <laughs> it was a back pass but it looked like he was trying to lob Sportiello and when it was ha- happening live I thought that Sportiello had got back really well and uh, tipped it over the bar with his uh, fingertips. But then in the replay, it actually showed that to avoid the, the back pass, Sportiello 
acrobatically uh, headed the ball away from going into the the top corner. So yeah, uh, honorable mention for me for Sportiano. I don't think that would have been given as a back pass. You rarely see. I don't given. think so. <laughs> um, but yes, um, okay. I've got an honourable for uh, Marek Hamsic, who has signed for Swedish Allsvenskan club IFK Göteborg. I've probably butchered that pronunciation. Not sure what he's doing there. Apparently, they've sold out of season tickets already. Uh, maybe he's like me, just looking for a quiet life in the Nordic country. Yeah, honourable mention. Kenny, you've also got a dishonourable or a sub for defending. Yeah, I've got a dishonourable for the quality of defending in the Parma-Fiorentina game. So this was a, a 3-3 uh, scoreline, which on paper looked like it was an absolutely exhilarating game of football. And, you know, I mean, perfectly entertaining to have six goals. But the the I think every single goal in this game involved some comical defending in one way or another, whether it was a ridiculous handball or... Um, just abs- like free header five yards out from goal or just like complete chaos. Um, I-, I don't mean to sound like a-, a doom merchant by complaining about defending when in a high-scoring game. The Torino-Crotone game that we mentioned before, six goals like this one, but six absolutely fantastic goals. This one, there were six absolutely awful goals, just like horrific defending. Um, so I'm going to give a dishonorable, and I guess this would count for, if someone was to be keeping tabs of this type of thing, this would count as a dishonorable for, for each Parma and Fiorentina. Yeah, and uh, speaking of, of that uh, of that free-free, uh, which was just banger after banger, uh, Baz, you've got uh, an honourable for uh, a speech at a music festival, I believe. Clearly, because I was uh, working at Sanremo, something that was based around Sanremo last year, I've been completely brainwashed and ended up watching it. And I'm kind of, I'm humming the songs that I hate in my head when I wake up. That's how bad it is right now. But um, Zlatan's uh, appearance at the festival was raised all sorts of eyebrows. And probably it wasn't ideal, as I said earlier, in terms of, uh, in footballing terms. But um, I felt that uh, his speech that he gave on the final day was a really strong speech and something that was kind of inspiring. Um, it was kind of misrepresented in the British media as it being all about him. But if you go into the detail, and I'm going to read it now, you get that it's actually kind of nice. He said, everyone before the festival knew who Zlatan was, wondering why Zlatan came here, because Zlatan loves the challenge and adrenaline. If you do not set goals in life, you can never win. In my career, I have not won all the matches I have wished for. Yes, I have won 11 titles, but I have also lost some. But I am Zlatan, even when I do not win every match, because we are primarily humans. Failure is not the opposite of success. It is part of success. Doing nothing is the biggest failure. To work and make mistakes is not scary at all. If Zlatan can make mistakes, so can you. The most important thing is to work hard every day. Dedication and concentration are key. I am here at this festival to tell you, but in your own way, you can be Zlatan. A special thanks to Italy, my second home, without which Zlatan would not be Zlatan. So yeah, a lot of uh, talking about himself in the third person, but the core of the message is quite sweet, I felt. We can be the Zlatans of We're Italian podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Um, yeah, speaking of people who've had a lot of honourable mentions and uh, potentially quite high up the league table, which someone's keeping a secret from us, Ossiman mm-hmm. Kenny is due another. Yeah, yeah, I'm giving Ossiman a an honourable mention for returning from that what looked like a very scary uh, 
situation, the, the head injury against Atalanta. It was his first game back, uh, and he, he scored a, a, the finish perhaps, uh, took a bit of a, a deflection, but he really had, had no right to win the, the foot race that preceded the, the finish. So very, very impressive, um, and it's great to see him back. So that is why I'm giving him an honourable. Yeah, no argument there. Um, but as you've got an honourable for Capello. Yeah, I mean, we said that the Juventus-Porto game was really entertaining, but perhaps even more entertaining was Fabio Capello's uh, reaction to the game and some of the things that he said on air, which for a start, he said that uh, when uh, Cristiano Ronaldo turned around in the wall, he said, in my day, you chose the players who went into the wall and they couldn't be someone who's afraid of the ball. They were, if, they were, if they were a pretty boy that was scared of the ball, you'd never put him into the wall. So that was a slight dig at Ronaldo. And then also, um, for the past few games, uh, Juventus have been send- sending uh, Chiesa as their representative to the media. And uh, as long as they were winning, people were saying, wow, they're giving him this big responsibility. But Fabio Capello rightly said, every time this team uh, has won in recent years, it was always one of Bonucci or Chiellini or one of the senators that showed up. And now that you lose a big game, you send some kid out. Yeah. Uh, I mean, is that almost a dishonorable for... Uh... I like his Just fighting spirit. I, I f- yeah, no, an honourable for Capello, but is it dishonourable for the Juventus uh, media team or whoever's in charge of making that decision? I mean, he also sent out um, the, the player who was the shining light in that game for, for Juve. So, I mean, they sent out Chiesa. Uh, I believe it was Chiesa and Delict, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, maybe that's a bit of a PR exercise. You can't have too much of a, a go at Chiesa after that game because he was absolutely sensational um yeah maybe there was something in it and to be fair you were said to be wanting to build their future on uh, the likes of delict and chiesa so it makes sense to send them out uh, to kind of give them a bigger responsibility now that uh Chiellini is said to be retiring at the end of the season so i kind of understand it all right so capella doesn't know he's on the belt fair enough um, <laughs> <laughs> just joking. Uh, Kenny, you wanted to give your obligatory goals honourable. Who's getting it this week? Yeah, it wouldn't be Scudetto if I didn't take the easy route and just pick some goals that I enjoyed for my honourable mentions. Uh, so, in the absence of uh, Rebic, your your favourite, I'm giving one to to Rabio for for Juve's first goal in their comeback win against. Lazio, uh, and I think that was it. Was Morata actually? I was going to say it was Chiesa, but it was Morata who played the through ball. But yeah, he really, really tight angle, and he just absolutely rocketed the ball into the near post uh, roof of the net. You might say that Pepe Reina should have done a little bit better, but to be honest, I just think it was struck with such ferocity and such venom that um, he didn't really stand a chance. And the other one's doing Insigne for two very, very decent goals in uh, in Napoli's win as well uh, against Bologna. So uh, those are my uh, obligatory goals, honourables for uh, Scudetto this week. Yeah, it was a uh, rabbit chess, wasn't it? I just wanted to give an honourable to Harry Maguire for he, I mean obviously he's been listening to our podcast he wanted to get in on the Galliardini <laughs> challenge and who would have thought? I mean he may well win it he's not eligible <laughs> for it but he might win it anyway because that was just a spectacular miss uh, yeah. I don't really know how to describe it other than he was in front of an open goal and he hit the post <laughs> from about 30 centimeters away yeah I think one saving grace for him is that Donnarumma got a touch to it. But I mean, that's not, yeah. (laughs) 
it was still an absolute shocker, and uh, it would it would have been a very strong contender. Maybe it will be a very strong contender. And Boaz, just a couple more honourables on your side. Firstly, for uh, Cosme. Yeah, Serge Cosme is kind of a throwback to 90s Serie A, and he, he was famously the manager of Perugia under Gaucci in a very tumultuous period in Italy, and actually he got them to Europe and quite far. But uh, always a weird character, or a colourful character, I should say. He's now taken over Crotone, which raised a few eyebrows, but he got a win, and of course he uh, he was very happy with that. He, he was He's said to be annoyed that he's been snubbed by Serie A clubs for this long. This is the guy who, when his Perugia side lost to Lazio, he was he shouted Forza Roma to the Lazio fans as he was going off. So uh, generally, this should be fun, regardless of how Crotone do from now on. Yeah, you've written here a less sophisticated Big Sam. I think even Big Sam would struggle to keep them up this season. But uh, we will see. Um, anyway, Antonio Conte thought they'd avoided this section. He hasn't managed it. But as what have you got to say about him? Well, this is actually uh, honourable for my good friend Tony Count. And um, <laughs> he's uh, he was uh, seen in the after the game against uh, Atalanta. He was boasting in the mix zone that, hey, we played well and... None, no one got no one picked up any yellow cards to which uh, Devry, who was just behind him was like um boss actually you got a yellow card Wh- which prompted laughs all around and antonio conte saying oh i'm so stupid i i was the one who got a yellow card and then obviously he said i'd rather get 100 yellow cards myself than the team get any as I, as we said earlier winning conte means a smiling conte and a funny conte evidently so there is a silver lining i guess i think if you got 100 yellow cards it probably be facing like a long-term ban so i'm not sure that's actually technically correct but um i may i I may have exaggerated this quote a little bit but in any case (laughs) anyway that is all we've got time for this week um please do subscribe to our podcast on spotify or podcast or wherever you get your audio we'll speak to you next week until then enjoy the football Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.